When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to another episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, here we are back after um, another Liverpool victory, um, which is which is good because <laughs> we were very nervous coming into that Crystal Palace game, weren't we, Danny? Um, but first of all, how are you? I'm good, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, back to the normal grind. You know what? It, well, I was going to say, you know what it's like. You're sitting there in Liverpool at the minute, loving life. Um, but yeah, like for me, everything's just back to normal, back to work. All the schools are going a bit mental at the minute with all this COVID stuff. So I've got one one kid doing home learning at the minute, one kid in school with a class of nine and uh, an 18-month-old with a cold. So, you know, just the usual, love and life. <laughs> what about yourself? <laughs> ah, well, yeah, I'm on a wee trip away to Liverpool, we brief. Got my youngest with me, who's probably screaming right now with his auntie. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting in my auntie's car recording a podcast. So um, dedication to the cause, as they say, Danny, dedication to People don't realise the amount of times we've sat in cars and we've we've been in all places in the world and we're sitting. Well, I say all places in the world. We haven't been able to go nowhere. COVID, but quite regularly, me and you have been in different places recording this podcast that people wouldn't even have a notion about. And uh, they just hear it. They don't realise half the time that we're we're sitting in the car because the kids are screaming or we're in some converted room in someone's house just to be able to get this done. So here I am in the middle of Liverpool, in the middle of Belle Vale. Anyone from Liverpool listening? Um, recording this podcast, so um, a bit of crack, Danny, as you say, as the Irish would say, it, it's uh, a bit of crack, but dedications to the cause, that's all I can say. Mm, um, oh. But yeah, let, 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 let's go to the Crystal Palace game. Um, 3-1 victory. Um, I think the biggest talking point um, everyone's been talking about is the clear and obvious penalty when the keeper just come and took Diego Jota out. <laughs> the worst tackle I've ever seen. Diego Jota had no chance but to go down. Uh, he was clearly going to get the ball and score. So, I think, <laughs> and you know, back to seriousness, it was never a pen in the McGinnis, was it? I, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Do you know what? I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans online saying, how could you not say it's a pen? 
Like, if he had nowhere to go, the keeper slided right into him and stuff like that. I think your initial reaction, you've got to think to yourself without your sort of Liverpool goggles on and think, if that was given against you, would you be sitting there going, yeah, that's right. The reality is you wouldn't. Like, you'd have been fuming about it because it was just... Like, the keeper was already sliding. Diogo Jota knocked it past him. For me, it looked like he stepped towards him, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of negative feedback about this, but he looked like he stepped towards him, that he was looking for it. The ball was already going out of play. The keeper had nowhere he could go. Like, it's different if he comes out and cleans him. The keeper is in a static position at that moment. He's not, like, still sliding. He's stopped. There's nowhere he can go. Um, And for me, Diogo Jota... Like, I think for me, if it would have been the other way, I'd have been fuming. And I think that's all I can say about it in, in that regard. Um, yeah, I think you sh- you probably share that point of view with me, don't you? Yeah, it was never a penalty. Um, and you would be fuming. But you just know, as the longer it goes on, you know the decision's going to be overturned, don't you? Because when you see a decision like that, and you see, as soon as you say bar, say no penalty, you move on. And don't get me wrong, you might mention it after the game, but you, you move on quickly. When you see it going on, 17 times, he checked it, didn't he? I mean, it's a harsh one, but and at the end of the day, we got it. And at that point in the game, a 2-1 up, Crystal Palace putting us on the P, you know, we could have quite easily drew that game, couldn't we? You know? It became real tight, didn't it? I think there was points in that game where I thought to myself, it wouldn't surprise me if they come right back into this. Um yeah, I think I think our defence looked really sloppy. I, I don't know what it was, but they were just they were getting in so quick. Um, we were playing a really high line, um, but then not really reacting fast enough when they did break through because the Crystal Palace have changed their style of football. They play sort of quick, aggressive football now, trying to break through those lines. They've got fast players, um, and for me, if you're going to play a high line, that's fine. That's the type of play that Liverpool play, and I'm happy with the way that we play football. Um, but normally you would have a quicker reaction out of the centre-backs, especially um, at those times when players do break through. And I think back to the City game, I think back to when we've played Arsenal uh, over the last little while and stuff like that. We've been quick to react when teams have broken that back line. But in Crystal Palace, we just didn't look it. We, we just looked a little bit lethargic, a little bit tired looking. Um, I think obviously Trent played really, really well, but defensively it, it was coming down that side every time and I think they looked yeah they, we looked like we were ready to leak goals and I think if we were playing a more clinical team I think we may have suffered in a game like that um, but thankfully Liverpool got this obviously we went 2-0 up quite quickly um, they came they came back with the one and then thankfully I think we've got to give a shout out to Fabinho who is who is basically playing defence midfield and attack um, at the moment scoring goals scored what five goals in his last four games now um, for Liverpool, sort of making up that goal tally for Mane and Salah still being away. So uh, I think he was, like, overall, I would have said he was the difference in that game. I thought he was really good in midfield. Um, but to get the goal as well, be calm, 89th minute. Um, yeah, you've got to give him a bit of a shout out for that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and the start of the game, it went so well, didn't it? The first half an hour, we we're back to our best. You know, Van Dyke has done what Van Dyke does. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to spare everyone the me singing but everyone knows the song you know he scored and then Oxley chamberlain I made a point in there about Oxley chamberlain in, in the last pod about starting up front because you, you don't lose that pace and uh, he got a knee finish didn't 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I didn't think he was going to start. I thought that was maybe a man for the rest of the season. Now he played, as I said in the last pod, one league cup, one one league game, one cup game. That's it. That's that's Oxley Chamberlain back to the physio. Um, but yeah, I thought he played well. To be fair, especially first half, I thought he was really good. Um, hopefully, he's getting his fitness there. It's not often I've seen Oxley Chamberlain play ninety minutes over the last what four or five years. Um, but I'm hoping that this will give him the opportunity because I think him. And Jota have really pushed themselves, Jordan, this, while Salah and Mane have been away. Um, I think they've really like, sort of cemented their places there. And, and I think they've they've got a real shout for, for giving it a good run once we're back to our best and once Salah and Mane are back, it gives good competition for the team. Um, so, yeah, so I, I thought all in all we were good first half. But, yeah, I just think we could have done with maybe dropping back 10 yards after that because we wanted to see the game out and, and that's fine. But you can't see a game help. You can't see a game out while your back line is playing on the halfway line. I think you're running a big risk there. Yeah, but I'm, I agree with everything you're saying there. But a point I want to make with Oxley Chamberlain is when he's fit and when he's firing, you know, he's more than good enough to be in this Liverpool team. And, and that, that's that's the heartbreaking thing about Oxley Chamberlain is that the injuries, it's a bit like Thiago's kind of getting that bit of, bit of a, a kind of reputation now. When they're on the game, they're more than good enough to play for Liverpool. But how often are they on the game? Because they're always coming back for injury. They're always trying to get the fitness back. They're always trying to get, you know, up to speed. And if you're taking six or seven games to get up to speed and and you play great for three or four, and then you're out the team again for six weeks, it's a constant, constant battle, isn't it? And that, I think that's a problem with Oxley team. But yeah, no, I, I take your point about the defence. Um, and obviously, the, the guy that I mentioned, I couldn't say his name properly, Ed, Edward, was the guy that scored then in the end, which was because um, he he come from Celtic and he's um, he's got goals in him, mm. and I think the penalty come at the right time, didn't it, Danny? Yeah, yeah, it did. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, we were sort of as I said, I really was sitting there in the second half thinking to myself, I can see it wouldn't surprise me if we draw this game or even if we were to to let this game slip away from us. Um, it got to that stage where I think we were just. It's very rare you've seen it in a Liverpool team as well, but I felt like we were just camping at the back towards the end. We kind of sat our men on the edge of the box and was just letting them attack us and attack us and attack us. And Diogo Jota was kind of the only way of getting out. Um, so, yeah, I think the penalty came at the right time. We, we've done a good good counter-attack to be able to get up there. And then, as I said, bit of luck. I think at the end of the day, as I said, we can chat about the penalty all day and it's been chatted about on numerous different sporting uh, podcasts and Sky Sports and all the rest of it but the reality is is that I don't care whether it was a penalty or not I'll take it we won the game happy days and <laughs> we carry on from there I will have to and, and, do you know what with, with City drawn against Southampton um, on Saturday they, it opened up a little bit of a passageway for Liverpool didn't it so at the moment we're nine points behind but we have a game in hand okay so, that, so let, let's say for argument's sake we win our game in hand which I think is against Leeds say that's six points we have to play City. So let's imagine that we, we go all out and we beat them. That's three points. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like back into Liverpool's. It's, I think it's in our favour because we've gone from that you have a no chance to have an odd chance. But that chance is a real chance. If we win our game in hand, we beat um, City. And then it's only a case of them drawing a couple of games and us winning a couple of games, which Liverpool have proved they're more than capable of doing, haven't we? Yeah, and I think if we can win this game in hand, that game against the City, for me, becomes the the title. 
That, that for me, because I think Chelsea have kind of let it slip over the last little while. Uh, they've had, what, one win in five, three draws and a loss. Um, they've kind of gone off the boil a little bit. They're, they're only one point behind us at the minute. I can hear everyone screaming at the podcast going, Chelsea are only one point behind Liverpool. But Chelsea have got, we've got two games in hand on Chelsea. Um, so that'll put us seven points clear of them at this stage of the season. To get seven points back is going to be difficult. Um, in saying that, as we said, we've got six to catch on City, but the difference is that we've got to play them. And I think, as you said, I think if we can be six points behind behind City and then play them, that, that for me is going to decide the title because that's either going to put us nine points behind, which for me we're not making up, or it's going to put us three. And we've seen over the last few weeks, people can rattle City and City aren't the sort of machine that they maybe once were two or three years ago. They're a good team. They're a solid team. Um, but but Kevin De Bruyne is kind of just bailing them out at the minute with just, with absolute wonder goals every week. So if he starts drying up for a couple of weeks, I think City are a team that can be beaten. Um, but we've got to win that game against them to be able to have any chance. Well, that's it as well. And also, I think City got a couple of tight fixtures within that period. I think they're playing Man United. Which, you know, we, we joke and laugh about them, but on the day, they can beat City. Um, and there's a couple of teams that they're playing in and around that zone at the top eight, where in the day they can beat City. So um, let's hope the City, like us, will be playing on all four fronts. And with them having no recognised striker, maybe that might play part. But as I say, someone, I, I, I once, um, a, couple, a couple of days ago, I was listening to someone and they described Liverpool and City like this, and I completely agree. Manchester City are methodical and they're, they're like a machine. They, it doesn't matter who plays there. They just play and they just play and they just play. Liverpool's like a B version of that machine but only how we make it up is that Liverpool play with passion and Liverpool play with the crowd and Liverpool play with tempo and we have moments of the games where maybe we're not quite a as well working machine but passion and desire gets us through and I don't see that in City's performances you see City is just like a like a clockwork machine now I know I'm talking in riddles here but please tell me at least you, Danny, and no one listening doesn't understand what I'm trying to say. Here. I agree with the, what the point the guy made was that City, as soon as they get a couple of cogs out that machine, I, I don't think they've got the passion to get like last minute goals and you know the crowd is nothing like Anfield. So I think that could be an advantage to Liverpool potentially. Yeah, uh, I think no, I agree with you. Is that City are the the. They play a very, very good style of football, don't get me wrong, but it, it's it's all about keeping possession, wearing teams down, and in order to play the type of game that City play, they need top players to be able to do that. We spoke last week about Liverpool's philosophy and about how anyone can come into that Liverpool team and play the way Liverpool are playing, because we play, yes, it's, it's high intensity, but what you need to play a Liverpool style of play is commitment and fitness. That's what you need to be able to play that style, and that's why I think anyone can come in out of that Liverpool squad uh, or the youth team or, or the reserves or anything and be able to fit into Klopp's style. Pep's style, as I said, is very, very good. And when you watch them on the day, they're, they're unbelievable how they just wear teams down. But you need experienced, quality players to play Pep's style of football. And as you said, if you lose uh, Kevin De Bruyne, you lose... a. a it's hard to even like a Diaz and players like that. Players that have got that experience have, are used to being under pressure with the ball and still performing. Like you take them out and bring in someone that's maybe got a little bit of nerves behind them. They're gonna, they're gonna bottle it. And I think we've seen that. We've seen that in previous years. Look at when they lost Fernandinho. How they felt a bit when they've lost Kevin De Bruyne for a number of weeks, and and the midfield just as hasn't performed in the same way. 
Um, so yeah, I under like I do agree with you, and it's it's an interesting one. What I would love to see in terms of poetic justice is us beat City, come all the way down to the last game of the season, three points in it. City are playing Aston Villa. Gerard beats City to be able to lose them the three points, and we play Wolves, and Conor Cody scores an own goal, and we win the league because of it. I think that for me would be absolute poetry. <laughs> <laughs> You've got it all planned out there, Danny. Right? Just, just call it now. That's what's happening. <laughs> um, but you know, what one thing we haven't mentioned, and you don't want to dwell on it, but we have to look at reality. Um, at the moment, Liverpool are just trying to ride the storm without Salah, Mane, and Kaiter, aren't we? We've got another week or two without them. Um, but as long as we keep getting points on the board and getting through in the cup competitions, that's it. It's not about the performance, is it? It's about the results and just riding the storm at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, as you said, there's potentially another well, few weeks. Um, I can't even think. I know the I know the semi-finals on the 3rd of February for the African Cup of Nations. can't remember when the final is. Um, I think it's probably one of the few times that I know Egypt are playing Ivory Coast today. And to be honest, I'm kind of rooting for the Ivory Coast just because I want Salah to get back. Um, because I think I, I think we... Well, I'd like to say we need them. I think we do. Um, but at the same time... As I said, I think the likes. I think we'll look back on this season if we do do well and we do run City all the way to the end. I think you've got to sit there and, and thank the likes of Diogo Jota, the likes of Oxley Chamberlain, uh, the likes of Firmino and Fabino, um, who have really stepped up Jordan this time. But yeah, at the same time, like we can say they've done really well. They've contributed with goals, but like, do they replace Salah? No, they don't because Salah's just been ridiculous this season. Like, well, yeah, and he's so far ahead in the. The top goal scoring shots. It'll be the the irony if if, if he won the golden boot and he had a month out, you know. Yeah. It, but it, it's actually looking quite likely. We're, we're laughing about it and joking about it, but it's actually looking quite likely that that's going to happen. But it, obviously, Manny as well. I mean, you say what you want about Manny's played great for Senegal and the African uh, Cup of Nations, and he's got a few goals. So hopefully, that that confidence of getting goals for it. Excuse me for getting goals for them. He'll he'll come back to Liverpool and and start um start all guns blazing and getting some goals anyway. But listen, guys, we're going to take a wee break. We've got a special guest coming up next, uh, Josh Bunting. Um, we're going to talk about transfers um, and some football over here in the uh, island of Ireland. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello everyone and welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now we are very pleased to be able to have Josh with us, Josh Bunton, uh, on our podcast for the second half. Obviously me and Ammo know Josh really well. We've played football together for many a year now. So thank you so much for coming on. Josh, how are you keeping? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a big privilege to be here, to be honest. Ah, oh, so you should. Um, <laughs> no, it's a uh, we've we've been saying for ages we wanted to have you on because obviously you are um, well involved in football from a journalistic point of view, from a playing point of view, from following teams and and all sorts of different things. So for anyone that doesn't know about what you do, tell us a little bit about what you get up to in the world of football. Yeah, so well, first of all, I'm a I'm a sports journalist. Well, put it that way, I try to be a sports journalist. Um, I, I write uh, for the Islington Gazette in London, uh, cover Arsenal women, and I also, you know, report, I'm from Northern Ireland, as everybody can hear with my accent, 
Um, but I, I write for the Belfast Telegraph and Belfast Live and, you know, a various number of newspapers um, in Northern Ireland as well. So, yeah, so that's what I do on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and uh, But my main job is covering Arsenal women for the Islington Gazette in London. And how, how do you find, because obviously you still live in Northern Ireland, so how does that go about? How do you how do you go about doing that? And also, what, what do you make it? Obviously, you, you must be a fan of the women's game to be so involved in it. And it obviously, it's come on leaps and bounds, I'd say, in the last five years in terms of the coverage of it. Um, so what do you make of the women's game? What, what do you think of it? And do you think it's going to end up at the stage where, where, personally, I think it should be, where it should be people getting paid full-time to be playing, training, all the rest of it. Do you think it's it's going to eventually go that way now? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that it's, it's certainly going to... It's expanding every day. You know, the women's game, it's the, the advancements. I mean, for example, Arsenal women have played at away to Spurs' new stadium. They play at the Emirates. And a few years ago, we never, ever would have thought that, that was possible. You know, so Liverpool have played at Anfield before against Everton in the Merseyside Derby. So, yeah, look, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, more fans are, are certainly uh, taking an interest in it. And, you know, it's, it's still got quite a, a bit to, to do to be sort of on par with the men's game, if you like. You know, refereeing is still a big problem. And you could say that with the men's game too, of course. But, you know, in, in women's football, the referees aren't professional. Um, so that's still a big problem. Um, you still have, you know, we're still not playing in the main, uh, in the big stadiums every week, but you can't expect that. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it's certainly coming on um, leaps and bounds, um, and it's progressing. You know, the transfer fees are getting bigger as well, um, and the wages are getting bigger with, with 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 every player. So yeah, look, it's in a really really good place right now. Um, and like you say, in, in five years, it's going to be absolutely massive because. If we look for, from a Northern Ireland point of view, they've just qualified for Euro 2022. Hmm. Now, in the last two games against North Macedonia, um, and oh, I can't remember it. I think it was, yeah, no, the North Macedonia game, for example, you know, CV was sold out. I mean, that's never, ever happened before in, in Northern Ireland women's football. So the Northern Ireland women's team now, for example, are, are inspiring the next generation of, of, of girls in this country. So, yeah, look, the success breeds success, as I say. Um, and, and Northern Ireland women, like the team now, that's the standpoint and that's the standard uh, for, Northern, for Northern Irish women's football. And, you know, that's expiring more young players to play. So, yeah, look, it's, it's in a brilliant place right now and it's only going to get better. Yeah. Josh. You, you can see that, like, which is good. Josh, tell me this. What would the top woman's player earn in the... In the... Is it the WSL you call it? Is it the, the Women's Premier League? What would like a top player earn each week or each month? I know the likes of Man City have been a mm. you know a leading example because they have to play the, the little stadium next to the Etihad and stuff, don't you? So what would like the top players earn each, each week or month? Well, from a yearly basis, it would be, you know, around 100,000 mark a year, which, you know, a year, and when you're thinking of Premier League players, they get that a week. So... It's a yeah. Look, it's a it's a big big gap still, um, and it, like that's what I mean. When when it has a, a long way to go, um. So yeah, I would say a top player in the, in the WSL uh, would be on about hundred hundred grand a year. Um, it's it's still a nice wage. Thank you. It's it's still great, of course. But when you compare it to a top men's player, that's what I mean by saying it still has a, a long long way to go. 
And is the many players from Northern Ireland, the island of Ireland, where have made it big over in England? Uh, I know I've heard a couple of names here and there, but could you let us in on a few hidden gems? Yeah, so obviously in the Northern Ireland national team at the minute, you've got Rachel Furness, who's very close to to, to your heart, plays play for Liverpool. Um, and, you know, Northern Ireland's record goal scorer in men's and women's football now. So, yeah, look, she's made it massively. Um, Simone McGill, who plays for Everton, um, again, an, another top player from, from, from this country. And you also did have Chloe McCarran, who for me is one of the most, one of the best players in Northern Ireland. She went to Birmingham City um, in the WSL and, well, didn't settle, so came back home to sign for Glenn Warren. But, you know, there has been players there who are playing in England, but a lot of them are more, more so playing in Scotland at the moment. So you've got Demi Vance, uh, Megan Bell, who are playing for Rangers, Kerry Beattie, who was the top goal scorer in the Northern Irish last year. This month, she just signed for Glasgow City, who are the biggest women's side in Scotland. They're the most successful. Um, so, yeah, you do. You have players who are playing in England and Scotland. Um, but the, the aim is to try to get those more players over. So just this month, January, um, Northern Ireland have just gone into to just set the professional status. So they're just, they've just gone into a full-time camp for the very, very first time in the history this month. And that's going all the way up to the Euros, which is in June. Um, so, just, so hopefully with that in a professional environment, that clubs in England and Scotland notice those players more. Because um, let's be honest, as much as we love the Irish League, we love like, the likes of Glenthorne and the Cliftonbills and the Linfield, we want players from this country to go play in England because that's where you know that's where the that's where the big clubs are. Um, and, I, and I mean that respectfully, the clubs in Northern Ireland, that's where everybody wants to be. They want to be in England and they want to be in that sort of big time frame. So yeah, um, I, I can certainly see that happening more in the future, especially with Kenny Shields in charge, um, because he's producing and he, he's producing the young players, he's bringing them through. And you know what? The best part about it, he isn't afraid to play them in the biggest, biggest games. Um, and that's how you know young players learn the trade. Yeah, and I suppose the reality is is that a lot of them you have seen it in say in the men's in the men's game, the Northern Irish team and the Irish team at the minute they they're really progressing. They've done well. Obviously, the Irish team has been going well for a number of years now. Northern Ireland have really sort of excelled, I would say, over the last ten years. And a lot of that is down to the fact that you're seeing more and more of the international players playing over in the English league. Um, and that's probably been a big a big part of it. So you want to see that, and there's a there's a I'm sure there's a bigger conversation that we can have about the way that the Irish league is run, um, and the fact that they don't pay the money and it, all of these different things. Um, but that's a that's a bigger conversation for the, for another day, I'm sure. But obviously, you you focus on the Arsenal ladies at the minute. They're winning the league, only lost one game all season this season, um, as far as I can remember. How do you think they're gonna they get they're gonna get on? Yeah, um, look, it's been a really, really good season so far. We've got a new manager, Jonas uh, Edvidal, at the start of the season, who has completely changed the whole process of how Arsenal play in terms of the style. Um, yeah, look, it's been a, it's been a really, really good season. Um, obviously, at the moment, they've gone through a bit of a, a bumpy period. Um, so this is a big test. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so they'll actually play tomorrow against Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, at Meadow Park, so if they win that, they can go, um, they can go five points clear at the top of the WSL um, ahead of Manchester United. 
Um, and Chelsea play tonight, so it depends obviously on how that game goes as well. But yeah, look, it's been a really, really good season. It's been refreshing. And, and also, you know, Arsenal have been back this season in terms of the transfer market. This month, they've signed three players. Rafael Sousa, from, who's just Brazilian centre-back. Dina Blackstenius, one of the best players in the world, Swedish striker. Um, and then uh, Laura Weidroder from Hoffenheim. So, yeah, have been back and there's no excuses now for Arsenal not to challenge for the title because they have spent money um, and the, the squad is there. And people say, oh, Manchester City and Chelsea have these massive squads. But when you look at it on paper, Arsenal actually have as big as a squad as both of those clubs um, and the qualities are. So, look, it's been a really, really good campaign. Um, Leah Williamson's back which is huge now um, she was out for a couple of months with a hamstring injury and you can really see that there was a big big gap in the squad without her because again no disrespect to the centre-backs that were there their pace probably isn't the best um, and when Leah Williamson plays she has the pace and then you can play a lot of women a very good defender alongside her but if a lot of women more gets into trouble you know We've got Leah Williams' pace to be alright. Um, and also, Leah Williams is is huge for Arsenal in terms of the build-up play. He's back, which is a, a huge boost. Um, we've got Brighton tomorrow, like I said, and then it's you know the FA Cup on, on Sunday against London City Lionesses, which is a game that you should win. And then you go into February, and the first two games of February are absolutely massive. Um, and, you know, the same happens in February, but I think these two games will be seen defining. We've got Manchester United at home on the fifth, uh, half twelve kickoff, which should win that game. They've got quality to go and win that game, and then the big one, which I believe will be the title decider on Friday the eleventh of February. It's away to, to Chelsea. Um, absolutely massive, massive game. Um, and if Arsenal lose that, then I think you sort of have to say you got to fancy Chelsea to win the title. And I know that Chelsea have had more blips than. Um, than they did last season, but they've still got you know the quality. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, they were runners up in the Champions League, Champions League last year for a reason. Um, so yeah, look, these two massive, massive games in February, and I really do think this season the final. But so far, it's going well. Still in the Champions League as well against Wolfsburg in the quarter final, and then you know still in the FA Cup as well. So Arsenal, they need to win a trophy this year. It's been a few years since you know won one. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of pressure on them this season, but you know the way they won, um, I'm hopeful that. Right, so I think you've obviously proved to us, Josh, that you've got a lot of knowledge on this subject. I think anyone that's sitting there. Thinking to themselves, ah, he's only watching it because the girls are good looking in it. It's a good chance to see girls in shorts. Uh, I think you proved that wrong right there with the amount of knowledge that you've got on the subject. And you touched on the transfer market, and we're going to go into that in a second. But I think just in the last question on the women's league, you've got to give us a bit of hope, Josh. Are, are Liverpool going to come back into the to the top league? And because I know the women are obviously in the second division at the minute, um, are they going to come up back into the to the Prem this season? Um, yeah, without a doubt, um, really. And I, I think that, yeah, I think they'll win the league. And I said before the season started, um, I did think Liverpool were going to get promoted this year. I thought Liverpool had a really good transfer market in the summer. They brought in players who played in the WSL last year. 
So you have that quality there. Um, I mean, Rachel Furness, for example, she was already there. But when you've got that type of player in the championship, well, you've got every chance. But to add the likes of Carla Humphrey from Bristol City, and then obviously, you know, Matt Beard, he's not all before in women's football. He's, he, he, you know, he nearly kept Bristol City up last season, which would have been a miracle, an absolute miracle. It didn't quite happen at the end, but to even give to even give them a chance to stand up was was a pretty incredible achievement. So, you know, the, the recruitment was good. Leanne Kiernan, who's been absolutely outstanding this year, she played to the Republic of Ireland international, um, and you know she played for West Ham in the WSL. But you know she's got goals and she's she's got a lot of quality in her, and for me she's a top level player. So for me this season, yeah, I always felt Liverpool were going to go up. And to be honest, uh, I still think they will. I still think the quality throughout the squad and in the management, is, the management team is is too good for the championship. Cool. Yeah, and that's good. That's good to know. And like as we've said before, we've seen the talent that's in the Liverpool team. You mentioned Rachel Fairness before, um, and hopefully we'll be able to see them back in the top league next season and see Liverpool as a club uh, supporting the women's team a little bit more in terms of helping them to get the recruitment and the money that they need, which would be good. And Rachel, if you're listening, will you respond to me? We need you on the podcast and I've wrote to you like three <laughs> times. What are you doing? <laughs> I was I was just about to say, Danny, we were not chatting about Rachel Fairness a couple of months ago about getting her on the podcast yet. So uh, maybe Josh can uh, use his persuasive power in journalism and, and get her on the podcast. But I know, she's absolutely ghosting me, like... <laughs> it's open. <laughs> you saw the big thing there, Danny, just touching on it. And he said Liverpool, you know, in terms of supporting the women's team, that maybe hasn't really been a case in the past. But this season, it certainly looks like, you know, it has changed because, you know, they weren't training at the training ground and stuff like that. And it got a lot of flack with the media as well, which is justified because Liverpool are a massive club. Liverpool are one of the biggest clubs in the world and should not be in... The women's team should not be in the championship. It should be... The WSL needs Liverpool. It needs Manchester United. It needs those games. It needs those Merseyside derbies. Those Liverpool-Manchester United games. They're massive in men's football and they should be in women's football. And, you know, that's how it attracts more fans as well when you've got those games. Um. So, yeah, look, look the WSL need Liverpool and they need a strong Liverpool. Um. So, yeah, look, I think this year Liverpool will definitely get back up there. But I just think now that we're seeing the club, like you said, support Liverpool women more, um, I think that's only a good thing for the future. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I've seen the interview where Jürgen Klopp done the interview with Rachel Fairness, give her an award and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully we will see that. Now, we were chatting before about, the obviously, the Liverpool men's team and how we are suddenly, like potentially still in this title race we hope we think a lot of it's going to come down to the liverpool city game if we win our game in hand um but obviously as a journalist josh it is a journalist dream the january transfer market like everyone is putting out from from big newspapers and sky sports putting out all the big reports of all the transfers that are taking place to paddy power coming out with the most random transfers you've ever seen in your life and people basically just lying about transfers that are going to take place like what how what have you made of the the transfer window in January? Who do you think has been sort of the big the big teams, the big sellers, um, and the big buyers as well, Jordan? You know, the January transfer window is one of those windows that you know I think it's a bit pointless, and I mean this in a really really polite way. 
I think the January transfer window is for clubs who won't panic and will pay stupid money for players who probably don't turn out to be all that successful, really. I know you had Luis Suarez in January um, coming to Liverpool, but then you also uh, had... Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk. Sorry, sorry. Van Dijk as well, but then you also had Andy Carroll. Um, so, you know, it's a... Uh, there's, 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 there's problems with the January transfer window as well I think clubs overpay and then I think it's sort of a for the EFL clubs it works better for me than the Premier League because in the EFL clubs you know they, they loan players out from the Premier League clubs like I mean today for example Jack Clark who's signing from Sunderland or signing to Sunderland from Spurs today I think when you look at the January transfer window the EFL clubs are the ones that benefit from those loans and things like that when you ask me about the success of, you know, a Premier League club having a good transfer window, I think sort of the natural one is, is Newcastle. Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood, you know, I think the Chris Wood signing is intelligent in more than one way. I think, you know, they've taken a, a big player off a direct relegation rival and, you know, their goal scorer. So I think that was, was big for Newcastle. And, you know, 12 minutes for Kieran Trippier, he won La Liga last year with Atletico Madrid. He's a regular, well, he's an England international. He's got the experience. So, yeah, I think Newcastle are the success story right now. I don't really think, you know, any other clubs have actually done, done all that much because it's so hard. I mean, who wants to sell their best players this window? Burnley have, well, Burnley have to because there was a release clause in Chris Wood, which Newcastle triggered. And, uh, you know, Newcastle have got the money now to offer them the wages. So, you know, I think that was a no-brainer from a from a, from Chris Wood's perspective. But yeah, like I said, the January transfer window doesn't really do much for me because it's just a, it's a lot of loan deals or, or or players dropping down to the lower leagues and the Premier League. I think if you don't have your business done in the summer, then you're in trouble. And I know you've got those rare occasions, like I almost said there with. With Van Dyke, who stunning signing, um, and one of the best ends in Premier League history, no doubt about that. But I, I just don't think any. I think that's very rare in, in January. Yeah, yeah. As you said, I think it is very few and far between. It is mainly about the loan side of of things in January, isn't it? I said you get certain ones like Van Dyke, Vidic came to United a number of years ago. Um, as you said, Suarez as well. But they're normally very few and far between those types of transfers. Now, I want to ask you, Josh, in the last thing coming into the transfers, me and Ammo had this discussion last week. It'd be good to get your point of view on it. There's been a lot of postponed games this season because of COVID. If you're looking, and, and you touched on Newcastle, so Newcastle will probably be the best example. Newcastle potentially in a relegation battle at the minute. Bought loads of players now in January, bringing these different boys in. One of their games that got postponed was against Southampton, who potentially in that relegation battle with them. They're now going to have to replay that game. And Newcastle have got potentially four or five different players. They're looking at bringing in a new centre-back. They've got Trippier come in. They've got Chris Wood come in. And they're going to get to play that game again, but with far better players. Do you think that's the type of thing that should be allowed? Or do you think that's just it's just part of the game? Yeah, I just think that's part of the game. You know, I think it is what it is. Um, I think that, you know, it wasn't anybody's fault that that game got postponed. I mean, I know that a lot of fan, a lot of Southampton fans will probably disagree with that. They, oh, Newcastle just wanted the transfer window to open. Um, but look, everybody wants to play football, really. Um, and I don't think anybody in the Premier League sort of 
has that excuse. I mean, there's a squad there and there's a squad there for the reason. Um, but I just think it's one of those things. I mean, Southampton, Southampton could, you know, they could go in the transfer market and buy someone in the last the next few days. Um, and then Newcastle could say the exact same thing. So yeah, look, it, it is what it is. And to be honest with you, I think it should be allowed because it's just a, a it's a new game at the end of the day. And it's a, it's a game. And can I just say something, Josh? Um, so I'm a, I think you're a Sunderland fan. We mean Danny we're chatting off a what Sunderland. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Sunderland supporter. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry about that, but we'll, 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 we'll graze over that. But um, <laughs> is, is there another footballer that you kind of like a little bit? Is, is there someone else? I mean, anyone in the world of football that you just kind of appreciate and admire in any kind of way um, at all? <laughs> Yeah, um, this is a Liverpool podcast, so I'm going to have to be very careful of uh, of who I say here. Um, but yeah, look, I think I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, a secret. My favorite player in history is Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, obsessed with the man. So yeah, look, for me, I know you've got that Messi Ronaldo debate and all that there. And I'm not going to get into that because that's going to cause topic. But I just think for Ronaldo to be 36 and 37 next month. And to be playing in what is the best league in the world, the Premier League, the most physical league in the world, I think that's pretty remarkable. When's his birthday? Uh, the fifth of February, and it's pretty sad that I know that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what you get him? What you get him? Um, you know what? I, uh, I haven't decided that yet. There. Um, but, uh, I think uh, I think his birthday presents would be uh, slightly out of my budget, unfortunately. So, uh, uh, we we actually have had um, last year. I think it was me, me and Danny, you know, dedicated an episode to the Messi and Ronaldo debate. And I think Ronaldo pushed Danny's corner, and I pushed Messi's corner. But um, I have to say that at the time, I really was giving off about Ronaldo and stuff like this. But as a football fan and as a forward player, as you know, Josh. I have to say, I have to give my, you know, what's the word? I have to my respect to Ronaldo, what he's doing at his age, and he he could be going for another four or five years. So fair enough that you're a Ronaldo fan, but I honestly thought you're a Manchester United fan with all the uh, all the social media posts about Ronaldo. But just before we finish, I know Danny's got a couple of things, Rashka. We have to do a shout out to your father, uh, Josh. What age is your dad, George? What what age is he? Seventy three. No, seventy three. Yeah. Wow. So, me and I, I lived up near Danny um, for a couple of years last year, and we used to have a game of football every every um, week. And your father, Josh George, <laughs> would do nets. And I am telling you, he's the hardest man to score passing seven aside ever. And he would have been, what, 70, 71 at that time? Wow. Uh, Danny, let, let, let's just take a minute and appreciate George. I, do you know what? Like I, I always said to George when he turned up every week, he always said to me, because I organised the Monday Night Football, and every week it was going to be his last season. And this was sort of about 10 years he told me it was going to be his last season. And every season he rocked up, normally late because he'd been chatting to the women in the sports centre, and rocked up to play. And he's a, he's a beast. Like, like I would love to be able to play in net the way he plays now. And I'm only 34, and I couldn't dive around the way he does. Um so no, he's a he's a good guy, and you can see obviously Josh, like me and Ammo, obviously have played a lot of football with Josh, and Josh plays nets, and he's a very very good keeper, and you can see where he gets it from because his dad is is top drawer as well, like so. Uh, so yeah, no, it's well worth giving 
giving our George a shout out. Like he's a good, he's a good fella. But yeah, I man. want to ask you in finishing, Josh. Um, obviously, from a from a journalistic point of view, and especially as someone, as you said, you're a Sunderland fan. You're, you're non-biased towards it. The big question and the big thing that's going to dominate the newspapers for probably the next few months now is potentially this Liverpool City title race. Do you think that? And and you can be honest. I know it's a Liverpool podcast, but we we're not. We're not rose-tinted glasses type people. We're, we're, we're analysts. We like to look at the game logically. Do you think... Speak to yourself, Danny. Out... Speak to yourself. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm always a little bit more rose-tinted glasses <laughs> than I am. Um, but do you think it's it's out of Liverpool's reach now or do you think there's still there's still a chance there? Like, I think that, you know, in the both of you said, it's, it's going to come down to that, you know, that game at the Etihad. I'll be completely honest. I just can't see anybody but Manchester City win the title. Um, I think Manchester City have this sort of knack of, okay, they didn't do it at the weekend, but they just tick off games and it's just, okay, well, that one's gone and then on to the next one. And sort of another thing, another big thing for me in the title race is no one talks about Manchester City. It's all on Liverpool or it's all on Chelsea. And that's because, let's be honest, they're the two, they're two bigger clubs than Man City right now. Um, with the with fan bases etc. But City just you know the the Southampton game of the weekend okay one each but the Arsenal game for example they the, they didn't play well but they still won the game and that's why I just think Man I, I can't see Man City dropping too many points now between now and the end of the season. Um, it, it, of course it's going to happen because you can't it's not possible to win every single game of football. But I just think Man City for consistency. Liverpool, unbelievable football, say incredible. But there's still games that are, that I think I'm not sure about you in that game. For example, Brighton at Anfield, the that draw. I don't see Man City doing things like that. Man City will scrape it, and that's why I just think Man City, for consistency, will go and win the league. And I just think you know the game at the area. If City can even get a draw out of that. Well then, it's done. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it's interesting, and it's good to. It's always good to have different people's points of view. What would you What would you make of that, Ammo? Would you Would you agree with Josh's point of view? I. He's obviously going to say that he's a Sunderland fan, and um, he's not got the passion and the, and the belief that I was a Liverpool fan. But I mean, we were just analysing before you come on, Josh, and it's, it's nine points. But if we win our game in hand, it's six points. If we beat City, which are more than capable of doing, it's three points. And three points is nothing really in the title race for half the season to go. So I think it's a lot closer than what people make out. But I do see your points. But I think you mentioned that Liverpool drew against Brighton and you don't see City having many results like that. But I do because they've done it against Southampton there. And I can see they've got United coming up and, and stuff like that. But I've got to be I've got to be like that, haven't I? I've got to be I've got to fight Liverpool's corner. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um and you're probably right. But I hope that you know. <laughs> That's just on City at the weekend there obviously you watch the game and you know you always feel that Man City have a goal in them in any in every game and Man City were not good against Southampton but they still ended up with a point and you know they still find those type of ways to, to get results and if Liverpool were 1-0 down against Southampton and that was the sort of if you face if, if Liverpool played the same as Man City I'm just not sure that Liverpool can get anything out of that game. Obviously, Salah, who is 
incredible. And Mane, who probably hasn't been on the greatest form, but the, the front three are quality. But I don't know. I just think Man City have just got that little bit extra uh, when it needs to be. And they can see out games um, so well. So, yeah, I just think, I honestly, yeah, I, I'm sorry to, to to say to Liverpool fans, but, yeah, I just I just fancy Man City still to do it. Yeah. No, I think it's as we said, it's good to have those the mixed point of view, and I think the reality is that the debate is going to go on for months and months and months as to as to who's going to win it, and I think a lot of people are going to side on City's side, but there was a lot of people that sided on Barcelona's side at three 0 down, and we've seen what happened there. So you you never know what can happen in a season. I think Liverpool sometimes have a tendency to run and do the unthinkable, uh, and we just hope that that's the way it's going to be at the end of this season. Um, For the record. For the record, to be fair, at the start of the season, I tipped Chelsea to win it, so make of that what you will. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, to be fair, yep, Chelsea, Chelsea. I think the wheels have come off recently, um, but I can see why a lot of people did tip them. But you know what, Josh? It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We really, really appreciate it, and we're going to be keeping an eye. We've said for a while we want to get more uh, women's footballers on, both in amateur league over here in the Irish League and also... Uh, bigger bigger names as well in the, the Women's Super League. So we, we appreciate your insight into that and thank you so much for, for coming on, spending a little bit of time with us. Don't forget to tap Rachel Ferris up as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope, everyone, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Something a little bit different and we look forward to the games coming back next week. We're going to be chatting a little bit about Liverpool's fixtures and about the January transfer market in a little bit more detail as it comes towards the end of that. So thank you so much to everyone for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.